0: Hello and welcome to the Elemental Entrepreneurship Podcast, where we discuss the earth, air, fire, water, and spirit elements of building a thriving, successful, creative business and life. I'm your host, Sarah, and It's cancer season. As I'm recording this, it's the middle of July, it's summertime, and that like summertime sadness that people talk about, I think we're really just talking about cancer season. Cancer season is a water season. It is emotional. And during cancer season, a lot of our emotions, especially our deep emotions around safety and our inner mother, how we mother ourselves, how we feel nurtured and cared for come to the surface. But these things are not coming to the surface to torture us. It's not to make us sad. It's to give us an opportunity to heal things before we move into Leo season, which is like the divine inner child of the Zodiac that wants to shine and wants to get attention and be seen for its gifts and its boisterousness. All of this shit makes sense, right? It all stacks up one on top of the other and then starts over and we get to do it all again. So in this cancer season, I'm thinking a lot about attachment attachment theory, attachment trauma, attachment wounds. If this isn't an area where you're familiar, I highly recommend the book, Attachment. You can also go online and take an attachment style quiz and learn your attachment style, which I find very, very helpful. I find it helpful in personal relationships, but I also find it very helpful in business. And this is because there is so much overlap in our relationship behaviors and our business behaviors it's kind of wild but it's also super predictable because relationships and money and creativity are all ruled by the sacral chakra we're really dealing with the sacral chakra when we're dealing with emotions when we're dealing with water and these things are also connected to our roots so we're dealing with our lower chakras our sense of safety in the world. And because we are inherently social mammals by nature, our safety in the world has to deal with our connection to other people. Uh, Bummer, right? Like other people, it's whack. Like they're so unpredictable. I cannot control them. They don't human the way I want them to human. Constantly disappointing to be, uh, you know, trapped in a body that is so dependent on other people acting right. Because sometimes other people don't act right. And it's real hard. So I just want to say, I know that's real hard. Um, And then the other thing about our safety in this current um, version of our simulation is that uh, it depends on money. And money is ruled by the sacral chakra. Money and relationships go hand in hand because... In the most uh, basic physical manifestation on it, we do need other people to hand it to us, right? So, in business, uh, there's a there's an exchange happening. We could just barter. I could be like, I'm going to teach you how to build a fence, and you're going to give me a chicken. But we ruined everything, and we made this paper money. And we're like, I'm going to teach you how to build this fence, and you have to give me this paper for it. And I'm going to take the paper to the store, right? So we are relying on this exchange of goods and services for paper, uh, with other humans. And so all of these things get all tangled up. Our relationship with people, our relationship with money, our relationship with how we feel safe, um, in the world and with people and with our ability to provide for ourselves and meet our basic needs. All these things get all tangled up. So the things that show up for us in relationships, Show up for us in business, and I don't see it talked about enough. If you've been around for a while, you've heard other episodes on the pod where we've talked about um, attachment, where we've talked about the sacral chakra, where we've talked about relationships. If you're new here, this is going to be a fun one. So I'm just gonna I'm gonna talk about some shit. Um, I'm gonna start with the idea that relationships are a mirror. You've probably heard that saying: relationships are a mirror, and what that means. Is that being close to people reveals us to ourselves Um, when we're single we're fine we're not triggered we're doing okay and then we get close to someone else and suddenly our hurt our insecurities our trust issues our anxieties suddenly they're all there why weren't they there
1: when we were by ourselves well they were but When we
0: care about a relationship and we don't want to lose it, suddenly now we have fears involved, right? I am afraid that this person is going to leave. The more I care about them, the more my heart is on the line, the more dangerous it is. I could get hurt. And, um, so my inner system wants to like pop up and try to prevent that pain from happening in all kinds of different ways, depending on who or how we are, but we are trying to avoid pain. We're trying to avoid rejection. We're trying to avoid loss. We're trying to avoid abandonment. And so now it's so much easier for us to be triggered, for our insecurities to be highlighted, that's when our triggers show up, when we really care about something. Um, It takes having something to lose for those issues to be illuminated. And so just like in a relationship, you can imagine like you get into a relationship and you start to really fall for the person, you start to really care about them. And then all of a sudden, like all of these fears swim up to the surface and you're hyper analyzing their behavior and you're thinking about everything they're doing, or, you know, you're going the other way and you're like, I don't want to spend that much time with someone. I want to slow down the process of getting close because I feel afraid, or you probably don't even consciously think that you feel afraid. You probably do this on a very subconscious and fast level at this point. Um and if the relationship progresses there's one of two ways it can go you can essentially blame the other person and be like they trigger me they make me insecure they make me upset And uh, I want to say right now, I'm not talking about abusive or manipulative relationships. I'm assuming this is a pretty healthy relationship with a pretty healthy person who's just showing up in your world, kind and well-intentioned and like wanting to hang out with you. And this is your stuff. Um, Now they have their stuff. And also this mirror is about like, they're experiencing their triggers and their stuff and you're experiencing your triggers and your stuff. And there's a lot on the line and your issues around worth and worthiness and what's possible for you all come up to the surface and all your shadows are there, that's why relationships are a mirror. Now you can really see yourself. I also think of this as like, You can be hanging out in your house and you feel like your house is pretty clean, but the second that somebody who you really like and respect hits you and they're like, hey, I'm going to stop by, you might look around and be like, oh my gosh, this is actually kind of a mess and jump up and start tidying things because thinking about how things look through someone else's eyes, how things appear to others, causes us to interact with them differently than we do when we're alone. That's what relationships are a mirror, means we are being revealed to ourself in a deeper way. And if we don't like what we see, we can either choose to address it internally or externally. If we choose to address it externally, we break up with the person. We ditch the relationship and we say, I'm not dealing with this. This must be you. I didn't feel like this when you weren't here. And now I do. So I'm out. And then usually you'll have the same type of relationship over and over and over again until you start being like, oh, is it me? Am I the drama? Um, And then you have to address it internally. Um, If you choose to address it internally, the relationship becomes this amazing opportunity for growth and healing. And if the other person has the same reaction, they choose to be like, oh, I'm triggered too. And I'm choosing to address it internally. I'm choosing to use this relationship to grow. I want to stay in relationship with you. And so I'm willing to. Do the work. I'm willing to have difficult conversations, maybe get myself into therapy, maybe get a coach, maybe do some self help work. I'm going to get a book, I'm going to do some journaling, I'm going to have big conversations with you where I take risks and I'm vulnerable with my heart and I see what happens. And if we both do that, we grow together in love. The relationship deepens, the trust deepens, and we start to heal and we start to build more safety and more trust with the other person. That's if we choose to do that, right? And and we have a healthy relationship where both partners are choosing to do that. If it is a healthy relationship and both partners keep choosing to do that, you could potentially keep rocking in this relationship for a very long time. Doesn't mean hard things are never going to happen, right? It's not like, oh, if I love this person, we'll never have a hard day. That's not true. We're going to keep having challenging times with this person and how we choose to show up to those hard times and show up to ourselves when we are triggered is the determining factor of success and longevity in a relationship. Hey, guess what? Your business is just like that. Your sacred work is just such a mirror. It is also just such a relationship, especially when your work is really personal If it's creative work, if it's your art, if it feels like it's a part of you, it's going to be like this because you care so much about your work and you really want other people to care about it and you want to share it. You want to make it your livelihood and your life. And if it feels like it's a part of you, other people rejecting it, other people not liking it, other people judging it, other people criticizing it can feel very, very personal. So there's so much on the line. And so when you're by yourself and you're just a hobbyist and you're like, you know, studying your art, making your art, only working when you feel like it, some of these fears and insecurities may not come up. But the second you decide you're going to make it a business, you're going to bring other people into the equation. You're going to bring money into it. You're going to exchange your gift skills and talents for cash and other people have to like, like it enough to give you money and they have to trust you and they have to like stick around All of the trust issues, right? All of the fear, all of the doubt, all of the am I good enough, all of the worthiness. There it is right at the surface. Here's the mirror. All of the beliefs I have about whether or not this is possible for me. There they are. Now there's deadlines and commitments and obligations. And after hard days, it's still there and you have to show up and you have to take accountability and you have to apologize. Like, oh, it's a lot. It is a whole, as my dance mentor would say, Alan Frias, it is a whole conflama. So all your shadows are there and now it's a fucking nightmare. And you're like, wait, when I was just doing this by myself, I wasn't scared all the time and I really liked this and it was fun for me and it was inspiring. And the second I decided, okay, like, you know, people started telling me I should maybe do this for a living and I really want to do this for a living, but now it's terrifying and um, I'm acting out. I'm acting out.
1: So, I want to talk about some of the ways that we might act out, right? And so let's go let's
0: go with ghosting first, right? uh, Esther Perel, a relationship expert. I don't know if you know her, highly recommend her. She has a couple of podcasts, her websites, uh, estherperel.com. I'll put a link up in the show notes. She has this amazing graphic called the relationship accountability spectrum. I posted it on my Instagram, but you can also just Google relationship accountability spectrum and go to images and you'll find it. And she talks about, um, passive and active accountability in relationships. And the most passive is ghosting, then icing, then simmering, and then power parting. And so I want to talk a little bit about ghosting. Most of us have experienced ghosting, uh, in dating or in friendships, I've been ghosted by friends, and it's really painful and terrible when it happens. Um, so it's just when someone disappears, they literally ghost. Like one day it's fine, and then the next day they like completely stop talking, and you don't know what happened. Um, so this is shitty, and for the person on the receiving end, it's really confusing. It might actually feel like emotional chaos. Um, which becomes kind of confusion and doubt, it can erode our self-esteem, it can build resentment, it can be years later and you still find yourself thinking about that person in the situation and wondering what happened. Um, sidebar I like to think that people died. I know that that sounds mean, but if I'm dating someone and like we're we're not really integrated in each other's lives and suddenly they just disappear, I'm like, "Oh my gosh, they must have gotten in a horrific car accident. They didn't disappear on me. I'm so sad for them and I like wish them well and I pray for their family." <laughs> That might be morbid, but we also don't know. And I, it feels better to me to assume that there was a terrible emergency. Like maybe they were in witness protection and they got relocated. Maybe it has nothing to do with me. That just makes me feel better about myself. Um, so there you go. That's helpful for you. Um Otherwise it can be years later and you can still be thinking about like what happened and why did that person do that to me? And what did I do that made them do that? Or, or you're like angry at them years later.
1: Pause for coffee. Um, okay.
0: So the next thing on the scale is icing and icing is when you come up with a lot of excuses not to see someone, you're kind of just keeping that person on ice. So you make plans, but then you're too busy. And you're like, Oh, you know, everything's so crazy right now. And I really have to stay focused on my work. But I do want to see you. So they're, they're keeping you on the hook, they want you to be there for them, if they change their mind. And so it it creates a lot of anxiety when people do that to us. Like, because especially if you are a little bit more on the anxious attachment spectrum, and this icing person might be a little bit more on the avoidant attachment spectrum, they're kind of keeping you at a distance and that triggers all of your desire to get close to them and to figure out a way to close that gap. You want to rush in and fill that gap. And they're giving you just enough to keep you on the hook, but not enough to make you feel safe, not enough to make you feel good. And sometimes they know, that they're doing it and they know that you're too weak to end it they know that you won't break up with them and so they just want to keep you on the hook so that they can do whatever they want and that's really shitty um I used to find myself in a lot of situations like that where I would like let people show up when they showed up and come around when they came around and I'd act like I was cool with it but actually it made me very anxious Uh, And then I blamed myself for being anxious about it. And that was part of how I let them keep showing up. I was like, oh, like I'm being too needy um, because I want security. So that if that's you, um, you may find yourself in a position where you're frequently a little bit more on the anxious side, um, allowing access to you by people who are more on the avoidant side. And again, like there's nothing wrong with either of these. Well, let me rephrase that. Is there something wrong? Well, it's not optimal. Neither of these attachment styles are optimal, um, but the avoidant person is hurting too. They they just deal with their pain differently than the anxious. So when you're on the anxious side, you tend to feel like avoidant people are just dicks, but um, they're actually scared most of the time. They're more they're like spiders. They're more afraid of you than you are of them, <laughs> and so. It's, it is it is an issue of like what we will and won't allow and how we beat ourselves up for allowing um, or how we beat ourselves up for our own needs and our own feelings. And we blame ourselves, guilt ourselves or shame ourselves for having needs. And we don't let ourselves set boundaries. And then we're resentful of the other person. So icing is like a really fast path to resentment. But uh, part of us, you know, healing our anxiousness my friends is just saying no (laughs) and like being like, no, you can't just show up whenever you want. I'm sorry. I'm busy. I'm not available. And you, you know, end that connection. So simmering is kind of similar to icing. They're reducing the frequency of connection and communication and dates, but it's more because something isn't working for them. Um, but they don't want to say anything. Right. So maybe it's a little passive aggressive. They want you to just figure it out or they want you to end it. And so they feel like if they keep bailing on you, maybe eventually you'll, you'll figure out that the end is coming and you'll call it so that they don't have to, um, or that you'll just like magically figure it out and fix it on your own. So, you know, none of this is, is ideal. When we're talking about the relationship accountability spectrum, power parting is the ideal, is just, say, is just ending it. Hey, think you're great. This isn't the right situation for me. I've had a great time with you. I wish you all the best. Take care. And that might hurt people's feelings in the short term, but it, it leads to a much cleaner, faster healing time. And the way that this really applies to us, I think, is in the world of icing and simmering. A lot of people are icing or simmering their businesses. I know I did this for a long time. So vanishing for weeks at a time, right? using being busy with family or with your day job or with other things as a reason to completely disappear away from your business, not just away from social, but you're not working on your business. Maybe you're, I'm not even going to say thinking about it because it's not thinking. Maybe you like, uh, lay on the couch and stress yourself out about it and go into anxiety spirals, but you're not doing anything. You maybe are using it as a reason to beat yourself up, Um, And then you like give your project attention for short periods of time, like big bursts and you get really determined and then you get overwhelmed and you go no contact. So you can be like really half-hearted or you have one foot out the door. Um, Relationship psychologists say that ghosting and icing behavior is seen as acceptable in situations with low commitment. And low closeness, right? So if I went out on one date with someone and it was awkward and then I just never respond to them again, not ideal, but, you know, I can be like, well, I didn't really know that person. I didn't really owe them anything. Now, again, this is not a dangerous situation. If you go out with someone and you feel like they're dangerous, you don't owe them anything. It's totally different. Um, But if it's like, oh, it's just kind of meh, like the grown up thing to do is be like, hey, thank you so much. I had a nice time, but this is not for me. So that's that's a that's one that's when it's considered acceptable situations where there's low commitment and low closeness. Um, let me rephrase that. It's not considered acceptable by the person who you're doing it to, or someone is doing it to. It's considered justifiable by the person doing the ghosting or the icing. They're like, "Well, I don't really know you that well, so like, I don't owe you anything, right?" That's the thought process around it.
1: So. If ghosting and icing is
0: something we do in situations with low commitment and low closeness, but we're ghosting and icing our business, so like we might want to think that we are committed to our dream. But what does your behavior say? Does your behavior say you're not actually committed? That you have low commitment or low closeness to your business? A lot of people ghost or ice because they're overwhelmed um, or they're scared or they have unspoken needs or desires or because they do not have the emotional tools to have a difficult conversation. When we're committed and we feel close to someone, we might still feel big, scary feelings, but we're like, no, I'm going to pull up my big kid pants and I'm going to do what I need to do to stay in this relationship. Back to the idea of resourcing ourselves. Like we might need a couples therapist for this conversation. I might need to get myself into therapy. I might need to do some work on my attachment wounds to stay in this relationship without blowing it up. Um, But when we don't feel committed or that we have, like, a lot of intimacy, it's easier to justify being indirect and being inconsistent. And so, like, what excuses, if you ghost or ice, what excuses do you give yourself? Is it busyness? Is it family stress? Is it cash flow? Um, Usually our excuses are time and money related. Um, and sometimes those are valid. I'm not saying they're always like, um, excuses, but if we're honest, there is a deeper reason a lot of the time. And for, for all my folks out there who money is a frequent concern, look, I, this was true for me for a really long time. I was the queen of, I can't afford it. And I actually couldn't, I lived well below the poverty line for the majority of my life. And, but also came up with ways to do a lot of shit. I was working the front desk at dance studios to get free dance classes. I, I held my own like through my own fundraising parties to do dance research trips. I came up with ways to find money for things a lot of the time when I was really committed to doing them. But I didn't when it came to business stuff. I would always find a way to come up with money to do the creative stuff I wanted to do. And I would, I can't afford it in other areas. And so it's something for us to look at, right? That commitment, that determination um, can overcome a lot of the obstacles when we want them to. I can be really, really busy. And if something comes up that I'm really committed to making happen, I will find a way. And so when we are allowing ourselves, I'm too busy, I don't have time, I don't have money, sometimes, not all the time and not for everyone, but sometimes if we were to really look at it, the truth is that we're not fully committed to making it happen and to getting creative and figuring out a way to make the time or to make the cash be there. Um, that's just something to think about, right? That's that's an indication of our commitment level. And if you can look at your own life and think of times where you didn't have the cash or you were really busy, but you still made a miracle happen, how'd you do it? And what was the difference? If we're ghosting and icing, there's probably a cycle where we get overwhelmed or we get shut down or we get our feelings hurt. And then we stop, right? We stop showing up. And then we start feeling shame about the stopping. And then we start feeling guilty because we ghosted or guilty because we quit. And then at a certain point, we get determined to start over. And the cycle just repeats itself over and over. So this would be like, you keep having the same relationship over and over. And you haven't figured out yet that the common denominator is you. It's not the other person. It's you. So like if I were to look at your business, Instagram is your most recent post from three months ago. Do you have any stories up Do the stories you have up, have anything to do with your business or your brand? Is your bio crusty? Does it have links that lead to nowhere? Does it have a link? Um, if I look through your post history, am I going to see little bouts where you posted every day and then months of nothing? Because when I look at a page like this, I know that I'm looking at someone who is like a part-time ghost. So that's ghosting and icing, right? What are our excuses, right? The rough patch that we hit, whether it's a business rough patch or a personal rough patch, which to me is the same thing. Um, If your response is a freeze response, if your response is dissociation, shutdown, overwhelm, your followers are experiencing being ghosted. Being ice, like, oh, this person, like, wants to act like they're going to have a business, like, they're going to keep showing up, but then also, like, they kind of don't, they're not really here. Does that inspire trust? Does that make people want to pay you money, right? So when we're thinking about the relationships that we're developing with our customers, is our behavior inspiring Faith in our, our consistency that we're, that we're a safe bet, that we're somebody worth investing in because we're going to be there? Um, or do we give off the impression that we're real sometime ish? And if so, could that be part of why you're not getting the results you want? Mm, something to think about.
1: So let's talk about trust issues. Do you walk through life
0: thinking that people aren't reliable? No one's gonna show up for you. People always let you down. Uh, I have people in my life who say, I I have a hard time asking for help and accepting help. I used to be this. I have a really hard time asking for help and accepting help. So, trust issues in your business could look like micromanaging, right? You micromanage everything, you micromanage other people's work, you micromanage your clients, you micromanage yourself because you don't trust that things are gonna get done if you're not controlling everything. And this can look also like redoing your team member's work, which is super annoying. Um, Not delegating at all. It'll take too long to explain it. I just have to do it myself. I'm not creating a system for this where other people could come in and help me because no one is going to work up to my standards. So I just have to do it myself. No one's going to understand my vision. So I just have to do it myself. Um, It can also look like mind reading, right? So assuming that something's going to be a no. Everyone's busy, right? Everyone has their own shit going on. So I'm just not going to ask. They're probably going to say no, right? They probably don't want this. I don't think anybody's going to want this. So I'm probably just not going to share it, Um, right? That's mind reading. I assume I know what the answer is going to be. And I assume the answer is no. Uh, Trust issues in business can look like exhaustion, I'm overworking I'm doing all the tasks and I'm getting burnt out but I don't feel like I'm allowed to stop because again no one's gonna help me and I can't ask anybody to help me it can look like constant panic that everything is gonna crumble because you don't trust customers you don't trust that people are gonna buy you don't trust that you're gonna put out offers and pe- your people are gonna find them and they're gonna show up so you're constantly just worried that the other shoe is going to drop. Everything's going to fall out from under you. You're, the anxiety in your body is constant. Uh, it can look like tr- um, struggles to make decisions. Decisions about what to sell, what to make, what to do next, whether to say yes to an opportunity. How about any of that? You
1: got any of that? Did you know
0: that hyper-independence is a trauma response? So there might be a lot of reasons that we've learned that it is not safe to rely on other people. And that if we want to be safe, we should try to control everything ourselves. And you might be able to make a little bit of headway like this for a little while. But business is about relationships. Business is relationships. There's the relationship between you and your business itself, the spirit of your business. There's the relationship between you and VAs or team members or contractors. At some point, you're going to need to pay someone to do something, build a website, run a funnel for you, something, like, you know, something. You're going to need some help some kind of way at some point. You're going to need a team at some point if you grow enough. And if you don't know how to trust people, that's going to be really hard. There's the relationship with you and your customers, right? Individually, you and each customer. Um, especially if you're a solopreneur, but also your relationship with customers as a whole. The idea of customers, your customers as a base. And then there's the relationship you have with vendors and other service providers. There's even the relationships you have with your friends and your family as they support you in your career. So if you live in a world where your mindset and your emotional kind of set point is people are trash, I can't rely on anybody but myself. Other people always let me down. I'd rather be alone than deal with blah, blah, blah. Your business
1: is going to suffer for that. And so are you.
0: Entrepreneurship is hard enough. We need people. We need other people. We need to be able to delegate. We need to be able to trust that people will show up for us, that people will help us. And we need to be able to trust that our customers are going to show up and buy our offers. We need trust.
1: Pause for coffee.
0: All right, so let's talk conflict avoidance. How about hard conversations? How are you with hard conversations? Conflict avoidance in your business might look like struggling to lead because you don't want to have hard conversations with anybody, right? So back to like uh, redoing people's work, some of that can be trust issues, but it could also be that if somebody makes a mistake, you don't want to give them feedback or clarify what you want because you don't know how to have the conversation. How about paying someone for work you're not happy with rather than telling someone the truth? How about that? Have you done that? Have you just been like, "Oh, I'll just pay the invoice" because I don't want to tell them to fix it? Um, Have you let someone stay on your team for way too long, knowing that they're not working out, but you don't know how to fire them because you don't know how to have a hard conversation? You're afraid to hurt their feelings. This can be a contractor, it can be a coach, it can be an employee, it can be um, you know, uh, independent contractor, could you see yourself, if you haven't done it yet, can you see yourself finding, can you see yourself ending up in that position where you are paying someone money who's not working out because you don't want to hurt their feelings? Have you accepted shitty terms in a deal or a partnership because you didn't want to ask for clarification on a contract or their offer? Or maybe accepting work without a contract, or working without a contract, and then feeling screwed over and resentful because you didn't feel comfortable asking for a contract or to clarify the terms at the beginning. Um, what about like letting yourself be nickel and dimed by a client, and you're giving away way more than the scope of work that was agreed upon because you couldn't say no or set a boundary with them or say. You know, at this point, we're actually moving out of the contracted scope, and so now we have a new, we're going to have to negotiate a new agreement if you want me to do that for you. You're going to have to pay me more for that, but we don't know how to say that, so we just let ourselves do a bunch of unpaid work. Have you done that? Could you see yourself doing that? Do you see stating your needs or setting boundaries
1: as conflict? Bloop. Our
0: businesses need clear leadership. And if it's our business, it's our leadership. It is very hard to be a good leader if we are afraid of having honest conversations.
1: How about anxiety?
0: How about feeling like you can't put down your phone for even a second or you're going to miss something? Spending way too much time on social, checking and checking and checking and checking. Has anybody liked my post yet? Has anybody, like, how many likes did I get on this? Oh, I, I didn't get as many likes as I thought. Let me take this post down because people didn't respond to it the way that I wanted them to. Maybe nobody likes this. I should just take this down. Um, how about constantly looking at what other people are doing and wondering if you should be doing that? Oh, so-and-so just taught a class on this. Maybe I should do that too. Should I do that? Maybe I should do that. I, how many people came to their thing? Should I be doing that? Is that what people want? Is that what's going to make me be successful if I do what that person's doing? Or do you get jealous and insecure when you look at other people's businesses? Um, Unfollow all those people, by the way. Anyone who's like Instagram business makes you feel jealous or insecure, stop following them. (laughs) Unsubscribe. Do you second guess your every idea? Do you talk yourself out of every offer before you've made it?
1: Are you a mix of all these
0: different issues at different times? I want you to think about this. If you've had an idea for a business for a long time, but you haven't done it, or you've been trying to get your business or promote your art for a long time, and you can't get it off the ground, and it feels like it's a struggle, I would be willing to bet money that you recognize yourself in some of the things I've shared.
1: And that's why learning skills isn't enough.
0: We all know what to do. You can find marketing information. That's not the problem. There's a reason you're not doing it. And it's an emotional reason. This isn't just mindset shit. This is nervous system level healing work. This is your business being a mirror for the emotional healing that you need to do in order to feel safe, and in order to be successful. In order to succeed in business, you're going to need to heal your relationship with shame and with fear of uncertainty, with fear of visibility, your relationship with self-worth, with trust, with scarcity. You're gonna have to show up as yourself and trust that it's gonna be okay. If you can't do that one-on-one with people, how are you going to do it with the whole world or the world of your customers? Your business is going to show you all of the areas of survival-level thinking and feeling that must be healed if you want to grow. Your business will teach you the difference between playing to win versus just playing not to lose. And most people are going through life just playing not to lose. We're trying to avoid getting hurt. And most of our maneuvers, our decisions, our daily interactions are geared around trying not to lose what we have and trying not to get hurt. And playing to win requires big swings. Playing to win requires risks. Playing to win requires putting yourself out there in a much different way than trying to avoid losing. So we can decide that like this is just not for us and we want to quit. And again, with power parting, that's a valid thing to do. It is okay <laughs> to say, I actually don't want to make this a business. I'm happy just being a hobbyist and having a job. This shit is not for everybody. And that is all right. It maybe shouldn't be for everybody. Um, I need people in my life who want jobs because I need to hire them. <laughs> um... This is something that I, I, you know, I know I always relate everything back to dance, but I think about, I think it was one of my, I think it was my Graham teacher, shout out to Luana, um, who was talking about, I think it was Martha Graham, basically that like, we don't want everyone to be a Martha Graham. We don't want everyone to be a Catherine Dunham. We don't want everyone to be, um... I hate the term thought leader, but someone who's creating their own technique and their own pedagogy because we need other people who want to be devoted to that person's technique and pedagogy to carry it on, right? Like Graham wouldn't be Graham if there weren't people who wanted to be devoted to learning Graham, studying everything that she had to offer, codifying her methods and passing them on. We need people who want to follow. There's nothing wrong with that. We need people who want to be devoted to someone else's teachings and to, to teach them, to share them, to carry them on. We need those people. Same thing is true with businesses. Now, ideally, it would be for businesses that are ethical and you know, stand for something you believe in, but there's nothing wrong with saying, like, I don't need my own thing. I actually want to take my gifts, my skills, and my talents and apply them to someone else's thing that they created. I want to help cement that thing. I want to help codify it. I want to help share it. I want to help make it live in the world. There is nothing wrong with that. But you do need to have a clear choice around it for yourself and for others. It's agonizing to spend years going through of an am I in or am I out to keep ourselves in drama right? That is that, that simmering, that icing is drama. It's keeping ourselves in drama. It's okay to power part with the career. I did this with dance, right? I'm still a dancer. I'm still a professional dancer. I'm still a professional choreographer. However, when I made the conscious decision that I was no longer going to pursue dance as my main source of income because it was not joyful for me, my life and my relationship with dance changed so much. My relationship with my art changed so much. I still take gigs, but I only take the gigs I really want to take. I only do stuff that's fun for me. I get approached. I get asked to do stuff. And if I want to do it, I do it. And if I don't want to do it, I say no. And it's much easier for my heart to separate my art from how I make my living. And that feels good for me. And again, like I still do dance projects that make money. I still sell things. I still choreograph for other people. I still do shows. All that shit is true, but I'm not trying to make it my main source of income anymore. And once I got very clear on that for myself and I made a solid decision about not making that my main business anymore, no longer pursuing that as my main career, I felt a lot happier in my life. I power parted with dance as my main source of income and shifted my focus elsewhere. And that is okay. There's nothing wrong with that. So I want to say, making the decision to leave that relationship is not bad. Um, But like, end the torture. But if you don't want to do that, if you really want this, if you really want this business of yours, this career of yours to succeed and to make this your livelihood, then your vehicle gets to be a vehicle for healing. And you're going to have to rise to the lessons that it's teaching you. And this is one of the reasons that water work is so important. And I think it's the thing that sets elemental entrepreneurship as a framework apart from any other business framework I've ever encountered. Because we are raised with this idea that you check your emotions at the door, right? There's no crying in baseball, bitch, I'm going to cry. You are a human first, right? You're a human first. You're an artist or a creator second. You're a business owner third. You cannot check your emotions at the door. They are coming in with you, whether you want them to or not. So now that they are here sitting across from you, staring you in the face, you have to get real honest
1: about what you see and what you're going to do about it. If your business was a person, what kind of partner are you being to it? Are you fully
0: committed to this relationship? Or are you kind of a fuck boy or a fuck girl or a fuck B-O-I, a fuck person, right? And I hate to use that term, but we all, we know what that term is, right? Are you fuck boyish in your business? I have been. You text your business once every three months at two o'clock in the morning, W-I-D. Is that you? Or are you a codependent overfunctioner?
1: Are you passive, right? Passive like, oh, well, like I have a website. Everyone should just find it. Why aren't they finding it? Are you bitter, right? Are
0: you salty? Do you feel like, well, I've, I've tried hard before and so I shouldn't have to anymore. Do you feel entitled? I've seen people who post things where they're like, oh, I'm not going to keep offering these things if people aren't buying them, you guys. I do this for you. And people aren't taking advantage of my offer. So I'm not going to keep doing this if you guys don't show up. What kind of entitlement? Nobody owes us that. That's not a great way to show up to a relationship. Are you anxious and hovery and constantly messing with stuff and never letting things breathe? Never letting uh, things have some spaciousness to grow? Are you showing up with trust issues? Do you speak badly of your business or to it? Do you show up demanding um, but not spending a lot of time nurturing intimacy with your business itself or with your customers? Are you like Eeyore? Or are you like, thanks for noticing me? And you just sit back and you don't put yourself out there or make your needs met. And you're just kind of hoping your customers are going to read your mind, right? You're like vague. You're not really clear with your offers. Your IG bio doesn't have a link in it at all. And like people have to DM you and you're just hoping people are going to figure it out. Are you unclear because you're afraid that you're not allowed to want what you really want or say what you really want to say or do what you really want to do? Are you holding back because you're afraid of rejection? Do you have a wall up? Do you want people to prove to you that it's safe before you're gonna open up, right? You're like, a lot of people have this and I think I had it for a long time. I wanna know that you like me before I share anything. I want you to make me feel safe before. I I want proof, right? I want proof that I'm gonna be successful before I invest anything in this. I'm not gonna invest in business coaching because I don't know whether or not I'm gonna make money backwards. We know we're going to make money when we start investing in learning the things that we need to be successful. We create the conditions for success. But if we're like, oh, I want proof that I'm going to be successful before I do the things it takes to be successful, doesn't make sense. Do you try to people please your way through your business? Constantly second guessing yourself, trying to morph into what you think other people want so that they'll like you or that they'll like your business. Do you constantly minimize and devalue your own needs and your own boundaries? Are you willing to drop your prices or waive fees or negate the terms of contracts or do anything just to get people to work with you? <laughs> please like me. Please, 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 please like me. I'm worried so much about whether or not they'll like you that you're not thinking about whether or not you'll like them, that whether or not you're going to like the experience. So, you're going to end up feeling resentful and feeling used and feeling bitter about your business and not wanting to do it because you're afraid you're going to burn yourself out. Little hint if you do it in romantic
1: relationships, you probably do it in business. We need to be resourced, we need to
0: build the emotional resources to lead, to lead ourselves and to lead our business from a place of clarity and strength and security in who we are
1: and what we do. So I want to say again,
0: if you're doing this stuff, there's a reason that you're doing it. And it is not just a mindset reason. This is nervous system level shit. This is attachment wounding showing up in our business. And attachment wounding is about how our parents regulated our nervous systems or did not regulate our nervous systems when we were children and how our parents regulated their own nervous systems. This shapes how we react to and deal with and recover from stress. And our biggest stresses are always related to fear, right? Fear of the unknown. And a lot of our fear of the unknown is what I would call fear of crap, criticism, rejection, abandonment, punishment. This is what we go really deep into in Water Module and Elemental Entrepreneurship. Criticism, rejection, abandonment, punishment are pretty much our core human fears. All of the things we're afraid of pretty much wrap up into those things. So if the majority of our decisions about how to interact and engage with people are calculated around trying to avoid this pain, right? I don't want anyone to reject me ever. I don't want anyone to criticize me ever. I don't want to hurt anybody's feelings ever. I don't want to be misunderstood. It's really because we're afraid we're going to end up alone or end up being punished, right? So running a business is going to be really hard if we never want to be rejected, and we never want to be criticized, and we never want to accidentally hurt anyone's feelings ever, and we never want to be misunderstood. Running a business is going to be hard, and being in relationships is going to be hard. Putting your art out into the world is going to be hard. Everything's going to be hard if the majority of our decisions about how we relate with the world are calculated maneuvers to try to avoid pain. If we didn't have sufficient co-regulation in childhood, if our parents were not attuned to our emotions and they didn't appropriately soothe us and help us regulate our own nervous systems, then as an adult, that's going to show up as dysregulation of our feelings and our thoughts and our cognition. Um, There will literally be less integration between the left and right sides of the brain, between the thinking brain and the survival brain and between the brain and the body. In other words, a lot of pretty mundane situations will send us into panic and survival mode, and it's when we're in survival mode that we do these behaviors, this ghosting, this icing, this overfunctioning, it's all because we're panicked. We should not be, not there's no should, right? But like making an Instagram post causing us primal panic um is kind of an indication that there's some inner work that needs to be done in order for us to be the healthy resourced successful adults that we would like to be in elemental entrepreneurship there's a lesson called emotional responsibility literally response ability responsibility is the number 1 skill that CEOs need to cultivate the ability to respond The ability to respond to stress, the ability to respond to changes in the market, the ability to respond to a fluctuating economy, the ability to respond to the shifting of trends, the ability to respond to Instagram unrolling a bunch of new features, the ability to respond to a client in crisis, the ability to respond when a team member isn't working out. There are situations every day that we're going to need to respond to, not react to. Respond to and our ability to respond from a centered, confident, secure place is going to make or break these relationships. And this is the shit that we want to be addressing being a resourced, secure, safe, confident, trustworthy, trusting partner to our business and our customers. Is what makes people feel safe to be around us. And that is an inside job. It's not gonna come from other people, it's gonna come from ourselves. Being willing to look in the mirror at our behaviors, brutally honest. In Dunham Technique, they called it mirror work. Our teachers would say, you know, like you need to go at home, you need to go in the mirror, lock the door, look at yourself, and get really honest about who you are and how you're showing up, and you need to make the adjustments necessary to come back onto the floor tomorrow different. What are you gonna do?
1: And if the answer is I'm gonna get help,
0: get the damn help you need. Love yourself and your work enough to invest in getting the help you need. This is what resourcing ourselves is. I'm gonna get the help I need. Maybe it's therapy. Maybe it's a coach. Maybe it's uh, some journaling, some self-help work, whatever it is. Am I going to give myself the resources I need to heal this shit so that I can be a more secure partner to my work? That is the question. Uh, I'm teaching a workshop. (laughs) Surprise, surprise. I'm teaching a workshop on the 19th about the surprising ways that attachment wounds show up in business. And I want you to come. It's going to be real juicy, and we're going to talk about ways that we can work on these things and how our different attachment styles may be playing out and what we can do about it. I would love for you to be there. It's 39 bucks. I'm going to put the link in the show notes. You can also find it on my Instagram at Intuitive Edge Coaching. And we're going to really dive into this stuff and start to look at some of our own behaviors and think about what we want to do to change it, and how to start developing secure attachment with our business and with our customers. So that is going to be fun. I want you to come. And I also still have a couple spots available for one-on-one coaching and for the new one-on-one coaching light package. I'll put the links to both of those things in the show notes as well. If you're realizing that this is what is keeping you stuck and you need to do some deep work on building secure attachment with your business. Coaching is a great place to do that. The secure bond that you build with your coach can be a jumping off point for the secure bond you need to build with your business so that you can start to heal your own attachment style. A lot of people talk about the secure bond they build in therapy being the first secure bond that they've had. And I've definitely experienced a lot of attachment healing with therapists and with coaches because having a safe space and a secure base is how we start to heal our attachment wounds. Um, So I would love to provide some security for you as you start to shift these patterns in your life. All right. That's my um, ramble for today. I hope that this was helpful for you. I hope that if it felt uh, accurate, that you are excited to dive into what this is revealing um, because it is a pathway to, toward growth. It is a pathway toward healing and you are capable of healing. There's nothing wrong with you. You are not broken. All of this stuff is healable, is figure outable, is a platform for the next stage of your development. As long as you're willing to step up to it. And uh, I think you are. I think everyone who listens to this podcast is uh, a strong, capable individual. So cheers to us doing the work forever and ever. Amen. Uh, Have a beautiful day.